Yeah. You got your boy, Nasty Knopf, back in the mix. And of course, Charles. Are you kidding me right now, dude? We can't use that. <laughs> Listeners, for episode 31 of Not To Be Technical, our 33rd recorded episode, yeah. it's your boy Needy Knopf, and we got um, Calamitous Charles. What? That's the worst nickname I've ever heard. Calamitous? Uh, uh, like calamity? Is that a word? Is yes. It, is, is it? A, okay, well, I'll give it to you. If you say it's a word, I believe you. You know, you probably looked it up or something because you I, got nervous. I did get nervous. Yeah. All right. Well, needy off. Well, thank you for that excellent intro and nickname. Uh, like you said, it's our 33rd recorded episode. Your boy Charlie here. We got Knopf. We don't have Gary once again. We thought we would have Gary tonight. It was very close to happening. We had a time and everything, but... There was just one more accounting project, just one more, and it, it grabbed him, and he, he, he can't do anything. We uh, hate you, accounting. Accounting sucks. But you know what doesn't suck, Nafis? What? It's our show format, baby. Tell the people what the show format's all about. Oh, baby. So, for our new and uh, dumber returning listeners. Yeah, they forget things sometimes. You know, they're just not the sharpest tools in the shed. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Don't interrupt me again. So... <laughs> We start off with some follow-ups from either, you know, social media polls, maybe previous topics from the previous episodes. Then we jump into some trending tech. Of course, Charlie does need to, you know, inquire about how I'm doing beforehand. And then we jump into a heavier topic, which this week is going to be some cool tech tools and products from CES. That's right. CES 2022 happened about a week ago. Consumer Electronics Showcase, I think that stands for. Is that what CES is? Yeah. Sounds right. If it's not right, it pretty much should be right. A lot of cool tech coming out this year. We want to share that with you all. Some of our favorite things that we took there, some gadgets coming out. And obviously, that'll be our meatier, bigger topic at the end. And he also did give a little spoiler because I'm about to ask Nafis, how the hell are you? (sighs) <sighs> um, I am breathing better than I was last week. Uh, I still got what I we, what we like to call the COVID cough, where if uh, anyone really makes you laugh, you kind of have a little, couple little coughs in there. But uh, the steroids are working. I'm feeling better. I, I am carrying around an inhaler, which is strange, but uh, life is good. Health is good. Love to hear it that you're feeling better. Uh, you know, I recently learned about a health condition that comes up after COVID. I've had COVID twice now. You've had COVID one documented time now. Novice, I need to ask you, um, have you experienced COVID dick? Um, maybe. Can you can you elaborate on this? Well, Novice, uh, this is actually a real thing, by the way. I'm not just like making some dumb joke. So it seems that, you know, we're still very early on in, in terms of the science and knowing the long-term effects of COVID, there was actually a podcast uh, called How to Do It, which I assume is a sexual-based podcast. I haven't listened to it at all. Someone wrote in and talked about how they have COVID dick, which is essentially... <laughs> and it's a man in his 30s, and he had gotten sick. He was hospitalized from COVID-19. He was discharged. He started uh, experiencing erectile dysfunction, and he claims that his penis has shrunk uh, one and a half inches. Uh, and he... He also said that it's decidedly less than average now, uh, I guess, his size. However, he was right on the cusp earlier. But now. yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, he was he was living large before. <laughs> now, I guess COVID-19 has shrunk him down on this podcast. And I haven't listened to this, but I, I was reading a recap from this. Uh, and I found this from Reddit, by the way, too. So that, that's how I, I kind of got here. Uh, that was not needed to clarify that, but I did find it on Reddit. Uh, thanks for letting I, I, the, the listeners know. Yeah, I like and Reddit, me. guys. Yeah. But um, so this the podcast host here, they didn't just take that. And they're like, okay, yeah, we believe you, guy. Yeah, you have COVID, dick. It's smaller, whatever. They got a pair of urologists to come on the actual show uh, who really noted that there is a clear, or so far, there's evidence showing 
uh, that there's a higher percentage of erectile dysfunction and other type of urinary issues that would come up post-COVID-19. And there is already some research that the risk to develop erectile dysfunction could be nearly six times higher after having COVID. Yo, uh, some of the what? other estimates are saying like 20%. So the other six times higher, I don't know what it, whatever it's, we're not sure, but there seems to be effects and it makes sense because if it's a, if it's affecting your blood flow, things of that nature, obviously, but yeah, Dolphus, now that you know all of these things, uh, have, do you change your answer at all? It, it, it has changed to a maybe. <laughs> a um, maybe. I'd like to think size is still the same, but honestly, it, things could have changed. I wouldn't known. I would be nonetheless wiser here. Um, so I, I might need to pull an audience member at some point. An audience member, <laughs> a random. I wonder who. Um, and uh, and then what was the other symptom like? Just just like you just. Erectile dysfunction is like, you just can't get hard, right? That, I believe, you know what? I, I think so. Yeah, I guess that's I, I, what that's it is. That's what it is, right? You're, you're just, you're not, uh, it's, it's not functioning. Yeah, that must be it. I guess it could be other things too. I don't know. Uh, I guess that, I, that has to be it. Yeah. We wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, I'd be getting hard still. Just any time of the day, whenever. I, <laughs> whatever. Any time of the day. Uh, I may or may not be. I don't know. I feel like. Sometimes I'm more desensitized than other times. Maybe that's too much info. Yeah, I, we're diving in deep here, baby. But I just wanted to Same first hear. Yeah, <laughs> just as deep as before, apparently. But <laughs> I would say, novice more so here. I was just first. I wanted to see your reaction to the term COVID, Dick, and then actually let you know that it's a real thing and let the audience know as well that this is a real thing to look out for. Apparently, post-COVID-19, look out for that, guys, or um, that, be careful. The shrinking part is horrifying. If that is a thing, it's already a problem for some people. <laughs> if you have to be worried about that, too, like, holy shit. Like, that is how, how recent is this? I feel like there, there would be so many memes about this. So maybe this is still on the... In the very early, I this, mean, this right, is cutting edge news, guys. This is cutting edge news. So this podcast, again, just to give them credit, uh, the name of the podcast is How to Do It. So they <laughs> they have some episode there that talks way more intelligently about this. There's urologist on there. Who knows? Whatever. But yeah, this must be very new. I mean, all research about the long term effects is new. Like we have no idea what's going on here. So it's definitely something that I <laughs> I got that long term lung damage, the but. Fuck? I'm glad to hear that you don't have COVID dick yet. Maybe the new variant. Don't say will... yeah. Don't be putting that energy out there in the universe. All right. I won't, I won't put that COVID dick energy out there. I won't do that for you. Keep that to yourself. I will keep it to myself, and you'll keep it to that anonymous listener, <sighs> I guess. Number four. Anonymous <laughs> listener number four. Anonymous <laughs> listener number four. For our uh, new listeners, uh, we have brought on a few anonymous listeners in uh, previous episodes and we have gotten up to a third anonymous listener. That's right. And we'll probably bring an anonymous listener back soon, either a returning one or a brand new one. But the reason why they're called anonymous listeners, they're essentially guest hosts. Uh, they're just not named. They're anonymous. Uh, the term just came up naturally, I think, when we had the first anonymous listener join, uh, when we talked about John McAfee. But if you ever hear us refer to anonymous listeners, we're talking about, as of currently, three previous people that joined as guest hosts for various episodes. Let's get into some trending tech. That was a really smooth segue in office. I, I, I must commend you. That was... I'm just saying, we might not need Gary anymore with that kind of segue for me. Yeah, well, you know who has big dick energy right now? It's not you or Gary or myself. Can you, can you guess who? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. He probably does. I, I feel like there's been lots of stories of just like weird shit he does when he's dating and stuff like that. Have you heard those stories? I am good with pop culture. So, yeah, of course. That he, um, you know, he, uh, you know, makes love to women and just wears headphones and ignores them like noise canceling headphones. Have you heard this? No, that's hilarious. Actually. Oh, so apparently there's like a bunch of documented like reports of, you know, he, uh, you know, he has a, a lady, he, he has her over. And apparently I, I remember also reading that he, he has like almost what I would call an atrium that I think is in his backyard. I mean, I don't know where, what he does if he travels all over and does this, but he, apparently there's like a, a glass atrium. It's very like 
you know, there's lots of plants and stuff. It's, it's just a big glass thing. He puts these headphones on and that's it. It's just like, doesn't want to listen to anything. No, no real interaction. Just Leonardo. It is. Maybe headphones. he has COVID dick and he needs that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, stuff. apparently this has been going on for years, but who knows? I, I, I have no idea, but Leonardo DiCaprio is not who I was referring to. That's a very close guess though. Ooh. I was referring to the large company, Microsoft. <gasps> <laughs> great shock to, and that's the, the the fakest thing i've ever heard but yes microsoft announced today that they are buying activision blizzard uh which is a, a video game company they they've created call of duty warcraft i think starcraft too i mean there's a ton a ton of games there overwatch over all. overwatch how could, that's a huge yeah like all of these games huge big ip nerds play yeah but nerdy games for just under 69 million uh, at 68.7 billion dollars i think i said million i meant to say billion whatever but yeah that, it's one of the largest deals in gaming uh and what this really does what makes is so this is interesting for a lot of different reasons uh microsoft purchased uh, Bethesda, like, I don't know how long ago, but the creators last year. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. which is, we, they are the creators of fallout and Skyrim, two of the biggest video game franchises we've seen, you know, probably in our generation, uh, bought them, made them exclusive IPs essentially for future releases to, uh, Microsoft. So that means you can only play it on PC or Xbox most likely when the next fallout or Skyrim comes out or anything else from that company. So now you have a company like Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, which makes insanely large games, uh, or, or now owns them. They, they can't do anything with past games in terms of blocking them from going on Sony, for example, uh, you know, for like a PS5 release. But in the future, they certainly can do that, and I don't blame them for doing that. So it's, it's a huge acquisition, and there's definitely going to be a lot coming from it. Uh, but but there's a little bit more drama that goes behind it, yeah. too. So, it's in, well, so one, you said the word blame. I mean... Shit, at this point, Xbox needs everything they can get when it comes to gaming. I feel like no one's buying a fucking Xbox these days. All they're going for is the PS5. Um, I would say, I think during COVID, we tried out like the Xbox Games Pass. Um, Yes. It was a dollar and we had like 30 days worth of use. We played a couple of fun games during that time. Um, I very quickly closed out the subscription. There weren't any other games that I was into playing. And I'm honestly, these days I'm not that into it, but uh, Activision slash Blizzard, that purchase is very interesting Um, for people who aren't too well-versed in what's going on in the gaming industry, especially with Activision Blizzard. um, They've had a lot of controversy in the background. Yeah. Uh, One involving just um, sexual allegations, just kind of uh, Kind of what you hear about a lot of companies where they will, you know, grow very quickly and then they'll have um, what I think the best way I could describe is sort of like a frat house type of vibe. Yeah. They're not treating women well. Uh, there's pay wage gaps. I think a lot of this information was like released within the company and it caused a lot of drama. Um, so this is what makes it very interesting. And so that's it on like more of the social aspect. Uh, as someone who's been interested in gaming, I've been following like development pipelines for a few of the yeah. games. Um, for I think what is it, Wo- World of Warcraft? They had like a mass exodus of users to another game. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Final but, Fantasy or something. Yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen, I think. Yeah, and then with like Overwatch, the game there, like I was a big follower of that, and like the development cycle was just terrible. Um, they weren't producing enough content. And when it comes to video games, you really need to be consistently putting out content, keeping your users engaged and happy, so that way you can monetize them. And I think they've really fallen short with their users there, but it doesn't mean that they don't have these big, massive IPs that Microsoft mm-hmm. can maybe come back in, clean up shop, and you know steer the ship in the right direction. Yeah, Nafis, I, I want to touch on one thing that you said on the front end there that if anyone doesn't know about this, is kind of a trend that's moving towards specifically with not just PC gaming, but console gaming as well, uh, which is the Xbox Games Pass oh, yeah. that you mentioned that you had that subscription for. You tried it out. So essentially what that is to anyone that hasn't used it before, doesn't know about it. It's like a Netflix for gaming. Uh, you, you pay, I think the actual subscription fee, they have promos like the one office mentioned, but it's like nine 99 a month for just a PC one. Maybe it's a little bit more if you get the one that has Xbox and PC, 
But essentially, you pay this monthly fee and you get a library of games available to you to download at any time, just like Netflix. So rather than, you know, the old model of movies where you would just pay, you know, whatever for a DVD or to, you know, get one thing. Now Netflix is available. Same things happening with games. And it's not just Xbox doing this. Uh, you know, PlayStation does this a little bit as well. They have one that has like cloud gaming where you can stream the games directly. Uh, their PS Plus service, you can get free games every month and they have a catalog. Uh, Nintendo has a really bullshit version of this with like old retro <laughs> games. It's like not even worth talking about. Uh, but this is the way a lot of things are moving. So to your point in office, this acquisition isn't just about new like new game releases and owning that, but strengthening their library of games that will yep. be available to download within these script subscription models, which is the way things are moving. There will always be big game releases, like the next Grand Theft Auto or, or any big game release, where it's like, okay, people are going to flock out and buy it. But the more and more you know companies that Microsoft or Sony own and they can offer within this instant download database, that's just going to strengthen their their customer base. And this is what Microsoft has going for them right now. What's interesting here is like hearing this, it sounds like they're kind of tr- or at least working towards building a monopoly that they don't have. And this could be yeah. like an effort that they could be blocked. But in this case, I feel like Microsoft really needs some better footing and it's going to work out. Yeah, this this was a great buy from them. And I don't want to neglect what you said on the, the, the latter end there, which was the workplace misconduct. So in the past year or so, I don't remember when this exactly came out, but this has affected a lot when it came to Activision's um, you know, stocks here, right? Where I think it went down 30% uh, over the last year, just when this all came out. Yep. I know that they've since fired, I think like three dozen people or so that were related to this. But a lot of negativity or or a lot of negative press came out about them, and rightfully so for what was going on. Uh, Microsoft saw this opportunity. This is still a huge purchase. But I would say if this story didn't happen, this purchase might have not happened. Maybe this would have been closer to $100 billion instead of $68.7 billion, right? So Microsoft's definitely paying a premium to buy them, but with their stock having reduced 30%, it... it's a Still discount. A discount. The, yes, exactly. It's a discount because of what's going on. And rather than saying, hey, Microsoft, what's wrong with you guys? Like, why would you guys buy a company that has all of these, you know, all of these things that happen in the workplace? You could say, hey, you know what? We want to buy these companies. We see the value in their intellectual property and we're going to make that better. So they took the chance to get the discount. They can be the savior, so to speak, of pushing out the old CEO who still hasn't stepped down since this all happened. Soon it'll they'll be reporting to the Microsoft CEO. I, I forget the timeline, but there's a timeline set with the acquisition once it goes through. But very smart move for Microsoft. Like Overall, it's a brilliant acquisition for them. It's worth the money. Uh, and and they really have a strong lineup now Like in terms of everything that they own. Like I mean, Fallout, Skyrim... This whole ecosystem that they've built, it, it really does put them against Sony in a way that does give them a competitive advantage here. I mean, I I guess I'd have to agree there. Um, I'm not too excited about video games these days, but Blizzard is a company I've liked when it came to video games. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to play the game Overwatch 2 when it comes out, and yeah. Microsoft now has me more as a client. So it works. It does work. But speaking of kind of like subscription models, right? And just how everything works there. So I brought up Netflix as an example of, you know, the movie and TV space moving to that rather than buying things one-on-one, like when it comes to games and how Xbox is moving towards, right? So we're become so accustomed to this. We all have a lot of subscriptions. You know, there's now like Peacock Plus, Paramount Plus. I mean, there's an insane amount of subscriptions out there now and everyone's segmenting out and trying to have their offerings, Netflix, obviously, were kind of the first ones in this space that were doing that. So if you haven't heard already, Netflix is going to be raising their prices again. Uh, I, I think it's going to be $1.50 more per month for most Netflix users. And that the, I'd say for the value that you're getting, like especially as prices of things go up, yeah, it's not great that prices are going up, like, you know, whatever. But no one's really going to bat an eye at this and be like, this dollar fifty like really screws me over. Like I'm not getting my value, right? Like it's yeah, it's like like I get annoyed by the thought of it, and, and, and like I know like Spotify's also increased prices, things like that. But I guess what also tempers me here is um, 
I, you know, share a lot of services between yeah. people and Netflix is the one I've never really paid for. Yeah. So I guess I don't feel too bad about that one. Well, that sounds like a very personal story. Uh, a lot of people might not have that luxury. No, but honestly, I think most people do share to some extent, right? You know, like obviously a lot of people might, but not, but even with all that accounted, right? So Netflix has about 75 million US customers right now. So if they get a dollar 50 more per month, that's $1.35 billion in annual revenue that's been added to that. It's nuts. That's insane. So Again, you know, not great that the price is going up as a consumer, but if I'm working at Netflix, I'm like, yeah, load them up for that dollar fifty more, baby. I, you know, we're trying to get some revenue up here. Let's go get they some. Can pay for a dollar fifty. Yeah, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, some of the reasons they said why they're doing this is there's COVID protocols now. There's a lot more cost when it comes to production. Things that that's not wrong. Uh, is it worth 135 billion or or 1.35 yeah. billion each year? Probably not, you know, but are they going to lean on that as their excuse? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like the one thing when I hear that, what it gets me frustrated is I think about like, I mean, Netflix is in the game to now produce as much as much mediocre content as possible. The type of content that's just okay enough for you to really sit there and watch it, but you know, it's not that good, but you still kind of watch it. Um, That's what's annoying about it because it's, the production costs is because you guys are producing more trash content is really what it is. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Like, I think there is a lot of trash content on Netflix. Don't get me wrong. But it, I also think that the amount of capital that they have and revenue recurring that they have allows them to invest a lot into really good scripts that they come across great shows. And that's the reason why I can agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, Netflix, like, when there's a new Netflix show that's good, everyone fucking knows about it. Squid Games, Witcher, whatever it is. Squid right? Games wasn't even that good, though. I mean, people loved it, dude. It's the most successful like new TV show of all Why time. Why people be Googling that so much? It was only okay. I mean, I actually didn't finish it. And that, I, I might like- be the only person that hasn't finished it. I watched like four or five episodes, and I just fell off. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you really liked it, I see. Well, you know what? I did really like it, um, but I just, I, I don't know. There's more. I just, I didn't finish it. But regardless of that, <laughs> I, I should finish it. I'll, I'll finish it. But you're going to be so satisfied when you do. I mean, I got to finish The Witcher. I'm trying to watch The Witcher right now. That's, but you know what? I, I'd say Netflix and HBO kind of have that on lock as top quality like content producers, in my opinion, right now. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Do you watch Euphoria, by the way? I don't. I think that's on HBO Max. It is on HBO I Max. I did favorite it on HBO Max, so I'm ready Great. to watch it. New season just started, baby. That's one of I, I do love that show. I highly recommend Euphoria to anyone. Okay. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're sold, so you'll report back on Euphoria? Yes. Enough of this Euphoria talk, Charlie. You know I'm not going to watch that show. Well, did you watch CES 2022? No, I mean, it wasn't really a show or anything. It's just like, did you keep an eye out for it? I almost never do. I will find a YouTube video that kind of wraps it up very quickly afterwards. Well, that's great. Well, for the listeners out there, like we talked about earlier in the episode, CES is Consumer Electronics Showcase, I believe. I'm just coming up with that. It's Uh, just show. It's not showcase. But honestly, I would think it's showcase. It should be showcase. They honestly should make that change. I mean, but uh, what essentially happens here, guys, is... All of the tech that's coming out in the beginning of the year, I believe this was like January 6th through the 8th, if I remember correctly. I may be wrong, but it's around then, whatever. But they say, hey, this is what we're planning to release this year. And there's a lot of cool tech that's shown at CES most years. And this year was no different. There were some really cool things. So Novice and I have selected some of the things that we think are the most interesting here. And one of the ones that I want to start with here, because I feel like this is a trend that we're seeing more and more particularly with phones, but now it's starting to hit laptops and tablets. So Asus came out with a new laptop. It's called the Asus ZenBook 17 Fold OLED. So that's the official name. There's a lot going on there. Very name long. is super smooth. Yes, yeah, super smooth. But what else is smooth is the experience between a laptop and a tablet as well as being foldable. So you can essentially take almost like a Microsoft Surface where you can detach the keyboard and then you have the screen, except this screen folds up. 
So it's a 17.3 inch laptop, which is pretty large for laptops. You have a display that is, uh, well, I, I guess, so that's how big the screen is normally. But you can also make it a tablet uh, by folding it up or, or just taking it out of everything. And you get a 12.3 inch display, which is very good for a tablet. Everything folds up in a very small amount if you want to fold up the keyboard and everything like that. And very good specs here too. It can get up to 16 gigs of RAM, has the 12th gen Intel uh, i7 CPU, up to a terabyte of internal storage. So you're not losing anything on that front. But in terms of the actual functionality, it looks really cool. We'll post some pictures or share some photos of kind of what each thing that we look or that we talk about here and what it looks like. But this Zen book, it really is kind of showcasing what the future is going to be with screens and folding like devices, in my opinion. Like it, it's a great example of it. And a lot of people online were saying this is one of the best designs they've seen. It like the photos, our description doesn't do what the photos do as justice. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's it simply put, I'm still skeptical about the folding phones and stuff. Um, I, I've seen them used and I've been to stores and kind of played with them. Um, for a laptop, I don't know like how useful it seems aside from making it a little bit more portable and maybe fitting it into a bag. Uh, I don't see the use case 100% there, but it does look cool. And I, I what I like the most is sort of the new form factors of being able to switch between a tablet and a computer and like the touchscreen factor, like the the laptop I'm using right now, which is yours, Charlie. Yeah. I love, like I always forget that it's touchscreen. And then when I remember that, I love it. Like, yes. And, and that it, it's starting to blend what seems to be more like intuitive uses of technology. Um, so I get a thumbs up. I also like Asus as a brand or Asus. I don't know how to pronounce it. Honestly. I've always said Asus. Okay. Asus Maybe we can make is. that a poll question. Is it Asus or Asus? All right. I don't know how to, to dictate. I'll, I'll try, but we'll, we'll make that a poll question. Yes. Don't know how to pronounce it, but I've always liked this brand. They always have Same. budget-friendly prices with good good hardware. Yeah. And, and I do want to actually touch on one thing you mentioned there. So the folding devices really came up with folding phones, right? I think yeah. Samsung had like the first iteration of it. And it was a disaster. Like some of them were like exploding and things. And they had yeah. like new ones that were okay. that came out, but have you actually seen one in the wild and not in the store, but like someone that has a folding phone, never in the wild, only like videos online and in the stores. I've seen one in the wild, only one. And they sell them. It's not like they're hard to get or like some yeah. exclusive thing. They're and pricey though. And where I saw it was at Cooper's Hawk. Interesting. Yeah, very random. But Cooper's Hawk is like a wine restaurant. I don't know if they're all over the country, but they're in South Florida. Decently heavy. I think they're expanding down here. And it's just a normal restaurant, but they also have this huge wine bar. They're known for wine where you can go and have a wine tasting, right? And the wine tasting is like, I don't know how much it is. It's not that expensive. It's like under 20 bucks. And you try like eight types of wine. And you just get drunk off your ass. Like they get really heavy pours and you're just paying eight, like whatever much it is, like under 20 bucks. But this dude that was working there, he took a real liking to me. I, I was on a date there ages ago and he loaded me up with way more than eight types of wine. And he was showing off his phone to me. Oh, look at my phone, baby boy. Essentially that. And I told him, you're the only person I've met with this phone. Like no one else has this phone yet. Like, do you actually think it's worth it? Like, what did you pay for it? He paid $1,600 for this folding Android phone. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, okay, but like, what's like, and I had him show it to me and everything. Like it looked cool, but for like, I, when Apple does this, I obviously, I think it's going to be huge. I, I think other phones will do it too, but and like, it'll be big, but like right now, the price point that they're demanding for, I think, the utility of it just doesn't match up. Yeah. And that's why only this Cooper Hawks wine guy is the only person I've ever seen with one in the wild. So it looks, so when I've seen it, it looks interesting. Like the, the like Galaxy Z Fold or whatever the yeah, fuck yeah. it's called. Um, I like that, like, you know, when it's in the clamshell form, it's kind of thinner and then you can open it up and it's almost like in between a phone and a tablet. Yeah. All looks cool. I'm just too clumsy for that kind of shit. I drop my phone all day and I feel like you can't have a reasonable case on that kind of device. A laptop's a little different. You don't typically drop that kind of thing. Yeah. Or you're a little bit more gingerly care, at least use it more gingerly, but sure, sure. A phone, I, I would destroy that. It just doesn't, I would just lose $1,600 in like <laughs> half a day. 
Yeah, well, I think so. A more conventional laptop was also announced there. Yes. Um, the Lenovo ThinkBook Plus Gen. And there's one thing that's not conventional about it. And again, we'll share some photos of, of what these items and everything so you can see the visuals. But an awesome laptop. It's extremely wide, the screen office. So the aspect ratio, have you ever heard of like a 21 to 10 aspect ratio being no. on a laptop? 21 by 9 is, I wouldn't say standard. That is like what is called the ultra wide standard. Yeah. Um, and then what is like the normal one? Like... It's 16 by 9 is your standard I, aspect Yeah, that's ratio. right. Yeah. So this ultra-wide main display on a laptop's never been done before. But the thing that makes this Lenovo ThinkBook Plus Gen 3, which is the name of it, really cool is you have your keyboard on there. And then to the right of the keyboard, there's actually within the keyboard, like, like pad, integrated into there's it. a touch screen tablet on the right side of the keyboard. And, and not just like this little thing, like not like the little touch bar that the MacBooks used to have. This is a whole ass eight inch secondary display that is touch screen to the right of your keyboard. You can write in it like an iPad or something like that. You can use it. You can use your second monitor. Essentially, it's like a little iPad on your keyboard. I fucking hate it. So I hate I, the whole product. Do you really hate the whole product? Yeah. I like it actually. Um, so for me, the first thing I think about is it being 21 by 10. That aspect ratio is not like standard. Fair. Uh, they put that out there because then like, so the, the width of it does help with multitasking where you can have two things up at the same time. Yeah. But fuck that. I'd rather have just a secondary monitor I carry with me. The problem with this is like when you're trying to create like or if you're trying to watch a full screen YouTube video, guess what? You have black bars on both sides because nothing's going to fucking format for this. That's a really good point in office. The, so the wider screen, while a lot of people would say, hey, you know what? Like that's cooler. It's a bigger screen. The content's not made for it yet. Where I would say this laptop probably thrives is with creatives, though, right? Yes. That's Someone using person. Photoshop, video editing, audio editing. Th- those longer yeah. screens are clutch. The other thing I'm also concerned about is just like looking at how the keyboard looks. Like, so I want to. It I, does look weird. I want to take a step back. I will say it looks very interesting and I, it immediately draws my attention. And if I saw it in person, I would love to have my hands all over it. But like when I look at the keyboard, it just looks so adjusted to the left that like I feel like I would start missing keys. Like you'd have to get used to playing on it. I don't like how big the whole form factor is. Yeah. It's over 17 inches. It's you have to get a bag that fits that. It I don't like the whole form thing. Maybe if you're trying to have like a desktop replacement and at home yeah. kind of thing. It it's just a weird solution for I don't know who the right person is. It's certainly the most unique laptop I, I think I've seen in a while in terms of a concept that's actually feasible to be released to consumers in the near True. future. It is novel, I will say that. Yeah, uh, it's in. So first off, to take a, another step back, so the first laptop we talked about, the the Asus ZenBook 17 fold OLED, the pricing has not been released on that first one that we talked about. On this one, the ThinkBook Plus Gen 3 from Lenovo, this one comes out in May for $1,400, which is actually less than I thought that they would charge for something like this. This seems kind of cheap for the price point. It does. Yeah. So if anything, a little bit more affordable here. The Asus one, I think they're going to charge more than that. That's easily going to be, I think, close to 2 k Easily, yeah. Maybe $2,500, honestly, for... For a folding thing right now, I mean, it could I, be more, I don't, man is the thing. Yeah, you're right. It could. I, I think 25 is where they're gonna get. Honestly, yeah. if I had to make a guess, but who knows what'll come up there. So, Charlie, what I see next on the list that interests me is uh, something that reminds me immediately of you. Me. Um, yeah. So it is a new fitness device, okay. and it's called Climber. And as you may. Maybe guess it's a fitness device that's like a, a climbing wall inside your house. Like like rock climbing, right? Like yes. like that's supposed to emulate that in your house. So that sounds interesting. So obviously I, I like I like the Peloton a lot. I, I've talked about that on previous episodes. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that brand and just everything kind of that comes with it. However, what I so the way this device works, right, in office, and I mean it looks like it's 
pretty small for like when I think of rock climbing or like climbing in general, yeah. I think of a rock climbing wall. I've never done that, by the way. I would actually like to go like to a rock climbing wall place someday. Oh, dude, see. let's do that. It's fun. Yeah, I've never done it. I'd love to do it. I'm so, actually surprised. Yeah, I well, great. All right, yeah, we got plans. Well, we got new plans. We got new plans, Follow baby. Let's soon. go. I have stuff to do, but. The climber, you can do this at home. And it says it's only 33 like square inches. So a very small that's, footprint. Um, is all of like the... That, that's very small. Like about a space for like what I envision a, a climber would be. It is hard for me to really picture it because I'm sure you've seen some of these like rock climbing walls they might have at gyms or other yeah. things where there's like a rotating wall that kind of yeah. comes. Um, with this, the first thought I have is it's like, how is how does it maintain giving you a unique climb every time like are the holds different like how do they enable that um well i'll let you know just like peloton so first off the price of this bad boy is twenty eight hundred dollars which is a more than a peloton like the higher end like bike plus that they have i don't know how much their treadmill is but it's higher than the Peloton, and you still need to pay a $40 monthly subscription, which will get you on-demand climbing workouts, right? So I guess they change it up. Maybe they have different instructions that are like, you know, climb faster, or, you know, like clench your ass when you climb this time. I have no idea. Like, like how can you – I mean, to be fair, I don't know about this. I'm ill-informed. Maybe there's a lot of different methods to climbing workouts, but I think I get what you're saying here where – how different can the experience be each time? Because with a Peloton, it could be extremely different. You yeah. have music, you have different instructors, you have the intensity, you have weights incorporated. You can there's like a bike boot camp. You walk it, off and do like different it, things. So it's not even that there's variability with Peloton. It's just more of that Peloton seems more consistent with an actual workout activity that currently exists. Fair. Okay, I right? get exactly like what you're cycling, saying. Yeah, like Peloton is a at-home cycling class. Yeah. Whereas, what the fuck is this climbing thing? (laughs) Yeah. At-home climbing, that's not a thing already, so that I feel like is polarizing by itself. But what I will give them is, it does look cool as hell. The concept's unique. It does take up half the space that a Peloton would take up, they claim. So, I mean, that must be true. I mean, it doesn't take up that much space. Your Peloton doesn't take up that much space. But I guess if you're thinking about a Peloton, you're sitting down, it's like a bike, it's a little bit longer with the legs. If you're just standing on one thing and it's like a stand, I I guess in theory it makes sense that it would take up less space. But I don't, yeah. It it looks cool. It's a cool concept. It's new. uh, But it's very pricey for what it is. I, I just, I would just go climbing somewhere. I don't know. Especially if it's forty dollars extra on top of the twenty eight hundred dollars. I just front. don't see like the type of person who would get it because I feel like if you're gonna do like if you're gonna really train to climb, you're gonna need to really climb on something that's gonna train you. And I don't know if that this thing can provide it. Well, maybe we can get someone from Climber to tell us why we should buy this. All right, as a podcast guest, hit us up. Hit us up. Yeah, I'm sure you're already listening, you, you Climber people. All right, so this next one is not necessarily an actual product that was released at CES 2022, but more software and um, compatibility between Android and Google devices, actually. So on our last episode, we talked a lot about the differences, particularly when it comes to texting. We know iMessage from Apple, uh, how it, the reason why it's such a bad experience when someone from a non-Apple device texts someone uh, on an Apple device uh, and the reason why Apple is blocking that, it really is Apple's fault why that's happening. And, and we, we want to in-depth on that. But one of the things we also touched on is the whole experience for an Apple user, whether it's you get a new phone and you set it up or just the user experience in general or just how everything is very seamless. So the problem, or, or not the problem, but one of the things with Androids or Google devices or, or anything that's kind of open source like that is trying to synchronize everything in a way that competes with Apple. So when you're on your Apple iPhone and you have an iPad, you have a Mac, you have your AirPods, everything syncs with one another. If I put my AirPods on and I'm listening to like a YouTube video on my iPad and then I get a call on my iPhone, I can be connected to both devices at once and switch through it. And it understands what I'm trying to do at each moment between the Apple devices. That was my biggest sell on getting AirPods. Yeah, honestly, it is a really good experience. It just, it knows exactly what you're trying to do. 
Uh, and the same thing works with a lot of other things too. Let's say you're looking at a website on your phone and you go on your Mac or your iPad. It could, all that stuff is very seamless. So now they're coming out with Google Fast Pair and audio switching, which will essentially bring that same technology, that same functionality and seamless switching between devices to Android devices, Windows devices, and Chromebooks. So again, of course, isolated from Apple, there's no way to kind of have both of those sync up. But this is a good news for people that don't have Apple devices or they have Androids in Windows or Chromebooks, right? So they'll have that same functionality in theory as long as everything's implemented here, where if you have headphones connected to one device through Bluetooth, you could switch between them, no problem. Uh, you could switch through like what you're looking at, the content. Uh, if you're watching a movie on something, you know you can you know listen to it on one device, go to another one, no problem. So this is something that is big news for non-Apple users because this is something that was exclusive in the Apple ecosystem. And now Google is working really hard to try to bring that functionality and the things that Apple users like outside of that ecosystem, which is very hard. As we talked about in our last yeah. episode, with all the different options, whether it's software or hardware, that, that comes out of the outside of the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, because what's interesting is, you know, they're bringing this like fast pair technology and this ability to then switch between different audio devices uh, as the output. All of that's great, but they have to push manufacturers to really make sure these things are compatible because one thing could be able to fast pair, but it yeah. might not be able to switch audio between a device and that can limit you or it might change your choices on the types of devices that you buy. But I think this is good news for consumers in general. Um, Absolutely. You know, Apple did a great job with this and honestly it makes people like myself stay within the ecosystem, but I would like to see this be something that almost everyone has with devices. It should be like, it's almost like once people started using like, headsets in general like yeah it's now kind of universal like everyone has like headphones that they use that are wireless like, oh you're talking about like, like when when they took the headphone jack out of a lot of like phones um, or like just using that. headsets in general yeah it's just almost like when you noticed like it's very rare for me to really see anyone using wired headphones Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, okay. there was a, eventually, like, a transition away from it. So this is kind of like that, an, an iteration of a sense there. Where, You're right, like, yeah. People are all using wireless headphones. Let's make the this the process smooth between devices and whatnot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Even though I it doesn't personally affect me, yeah. the Apple stuff, I, very much within that ecosystem, this is technology that I feel should be the standard and Google is really trying to make it the standard, but they just they don't have the luxury of just owning yeah. a huge share of devices in one ecosystem, the walled garden, and just when they make a decision, that's the decision. And there's no say or manufacturers to kind of lash back at them. So it's good that they're they're making this open source for everyone. And hope and there's no reason not to. Like if you're a phone developer that does Android or manufacturer, like why would you not enable this feature if it's gonna be standard? Yep. And Charlie, I'm going to switch gears again here. So we just talked about uh, more of like a technology, I'd say like protocol sure. um, and process. Uh, we talked about a couple of laptops, a, you know, a climbing thing. For our next device, we're going to talk about the latest Wi-Fi 6 router from TP-Link. Um, so Wi-Fi 6 is the standard that is basically coming across all Wi-Fi routers. Uh, it essentially has more bandwidth, more devices, um, and more speed that you can have for all of these IoT devices you have at home or Internet of Things, Alexas, all of the above. Yeah. Um, what's cool about this one is that it has antennas that can move to essentially optimize the data transfers within your house. So if you have a multi-story house, wherever you have this um, you know, specific Wi-Fi router, it will move its antennas to kind of point towards the, the devices as they move around within the home. Yeah, um, and that, I think, it cannot be understated how cool that is in theory, right? Where In theory. Yeah, so the way this works is, and we'll again, we'll share photos and, and imagery of this, but this laptop, or I'm sorry, not laptop, this router... Uh, has four antennas that that come up automatically, like like a robot almost, right? Yeah. And let's say Novice and I, we have our iPads and our laptops out. It, again, this is in theory how they say it works. And we're in one side of the house, and then we go to the exact opposite side of the house, which is on the other side of the router. 
these antennas will actually automatically detect where the majority of, you know, uh, our devices are that are utilizing, you know, the Wi-Fi network are and point the antennas towards where they should go to optimize it. So if we start to run in circles around this router, what it should do in theory is also running circles and start dancing like a little robot with like four little arms. <laughs> That's not where I expected you to really go with this. Um, but am I wrong? Uh, I don't think I'm wrong. I think that's what they're saying it does. I don't think it's that quick. There's no fucking <laughs> chance. Um, There's only one way to find out. I, I will say this. So looking at like some of the, the photos where like, it, it, I would call them like wings uh, for the antennas. when they I would call them flippy flappers. The flippy flappers are looking, it looks like a decent device when it's put down. Um, but here's where you kind of say the in theory part where I, I start to question Wi-Fi routers. So, um, it's one of these things that are tough. They're like, you know, they're in home consoles all the time, but they aren't aesthetically pleasing to the eye in most cases. Um, I would say there's only one that I've used that looks decent. It's the the Eros. Oh um, yeah, the Eero brand where it's it it's a very simple router. I think Amazon bought that brand and it looks they good do. on a table. It's like all white. Um, a lot of these things, like what we have is like the Nighthawk and it's got all these little antennas and wings. Um, it looks cool in like a tech savvy sort of way. But if you're trying to have this as in what tends to be like the centerpiece of a lot of people's houses near their center consoles for their TVs and stuff, it uh, doesn't look very cool. Um, so that I would give it a minus there. But honestly, the other thing is, it's like, why do you need all these antennas to fan out and pivot to optimize connections when... You could also just as easily buy Wi-Fi boosters and plug them into different rooms of your house. So, novice, I think what you're saying is, if you buy this and it's dancing around, one, it looks just like some like little like nerdy spaceship type of thing that's like moving around and stuff. I get it. Like, it's probably not going to fit with like modern min- mid-century modern like furniture. Yeah. And, like, you know, if you're trying to you know make your household look uh, not like a tech-driven like little man cave or something like that, right? Like it. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that's what you're saying. You're going to look like a huge nerd if you have this, but it is pretty cool. Like, it is cool. The I'm concept is cool, but I also agree with you where like, how necessary is this? Uh, it's I mean, movie. I'm sure it helps, but like, is it helping that much? Like more than a Wi-Fi booster? I don't know. About like, do that. you think this would work for us in where we live? So I'm actually glad you asked that because the one thing I didn't mention is this, I think it would certainly help us. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. I think it also matters where your router is positioned in the home. If it's yeah. in the middle of the home, bigger use case here. If you have multiple floors of your home where it's like then like pointing it towards maybe like a room that's like, you know, to the top left rather yeah. than where it's currently. I think that's where you'll have the most success with this type of product. If it's in a central uh, centralized part of a larger home that really does have multiple angles, particularly vertical ones too, going upstairs or something where we need the point. But for us, though, I, I don't think it would matter. Yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi extenders are the way to go for something like that. It does look cool, though. I'll still give it that. Yeah. So I do want to touch on one thing that really was... Uh, I mean, this has been blowing up for the past few years in general. But if you saw what was announced at CES 2022, you would see a lot of goddamn trucks, dude. And EV trucks... So electric trucks are huge right now for whatever reason. And, and this is interesting to me because when I, and this might just be me kind of generalizing. So, you know, whatever. But when I think Here of people go. that like, spicy. when I think of people that are geared towards electric vehicles, right. I don't think of people that like trucks traditionally, right. Like it, it, they just seem like two different demographics, like someone that would want a Tesla or like a, electric vehicle that's good for the environment and then someone that traditionally loves trucks like very generalized right like it i would not general, marry that I, I get what you're saying yeah it's, i would not marry it together it, so it's more of like when i think about truck people it's kind of like they like something about how big it is and that it's lifted and it like takes diesel or whatever the fuck it's like it's just like oh yeah and it, it, it helps if gift. you have covid dick too oh yeah it, it certainly helps with that if you have a big truck oh my gosh yeah, but I need to get a truck. I, I think you need to get a truck immediately. But 
there's been a lot of really cool electric vehicle trucks that have been announced. Um, I mean, namely, I think one of the biggest ones right now is the Ford's upcoming uh, F-150 Lightning. I mean, that thing does look badass. Like, the features Man, and everything are honestly, nuts. Honestly, it's a good name. I like it. Yeah, it, it's a good name. You know, there was, like, the Mustang that was announced, too. But trucks are huge right now. Hummer's coming back with their EV. Uh, and then they also had the Chevy Silverado joining with an electric pickup that was announced in CES. And this one is very interesting. So the first edition that comes out here, it's going to be about 100K for the first edition of this. Wow. But then that price point, once they have like their first run of it, it's out, it's out there. Uh, it'll be around 40K to get like the basic edition of this. So quite affordable for an that electric is, vehicle from is. Chevy and, here. And like, I'm pretty sure trucks are generally around that cost. Yeah, exactly. So you're not even, you'll be saving on a ton of gas. And this Silverado, for example, GM estimates that it will get up to 400 miles of range per charge, uh, still up to 664 horsepower and 811 foot pounds of torque. Oh, yeah. I love Tow it up torque. to 10K pounds of stuff, you know, it's, which we, you would be doing all the time if you had a truck. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm torquing Dude, it. Dude, imagine if you were tasked with towing oh. 10K, like 10,000 pounds of something. Like, how, like, it would be hard to do that. Like, like, what would you even? How would we do this? Uh, a, a boat. Like, damn it, that was a really easy answer. <laughs> well, anyways, <laughs> trucks, EV trucks are on the rise, baby, and some of them do look cool. I'm not a truck guy, but like, some of these look pretty awesome. So I wouldn't be surprised, especially in 2023. I mean, EV production's insane right now, not just for trucks, but we're gonna see a lot of these bad boys on the road soon. Like, they're they're coming, they're coming fast. For whatever reason, this marriage of electric vehicles and trucks, much to my surprise, has really caught the public's attention. And it's just really... I think it's very interesting. Yeah. Like the Cybertruck I got, because that was like unique, a little different. And we're like, it's like yeah, not it's your weird. typical person's going for the Cybertruck. But all of these American truck brands getting EVs, super surprised. I guess maybe... The, the gas savings appeal to people more than I thought I mean, they yeah, would. They all, yeah, it I mean, makes sense. I mean, I, I don't pay for gas anymore, and it's great. So why not pass it on to truck owners? All right, keep glowing, motherfucker. I'll glow, baby. Charlie, in a similar line when it comes to these products, um, that surprises me, and this one's probably the weirdest one that I've seen so far. It's going to be the Razor Zephyr <laughs> Pro um, it's like an electronic <laughs> face mask. So it's ridiculous. So, um, this might help you avoid COVID dick. If you're concerned about that. Yes. Um, it's essentially a hundred dollar mask. Um, and it mask is an understatement, my man. This I, thing looks like a full blown, like, I don't know what to call I, it. I don't know what to call it, but if you don't know the Razor brand, right? And I was like, how would you describe the Razor brand to people? The Razor brand is an iconic gamer brand that yes. is full of colors, LEDs. Uh, if you have anything Razor branded, uh, people will most definitely think you play video games. Yeah, it's just like you said, like a lot of neon lights, mouse, mm. keyboard, uh, whatever. They probably make computers too. Laptops, I know yeah, they make. It, it all just looks very like tech-driven, neon lights. Like, I'm a gamer and I'm proud type yeah, of stuff, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. I'm a gamer and I'm proud. It's yes. the exact same. So, what they're doing here is they're making a mask and it's a smart mask. It's $100, like you said, in office. And it's, it, it's, it's very safe. Like there's air filters in there. Apparently the air filters last for a hundred days worth of use, like actual use, I guess while you're out and you have it activated or whatever. Uh, but uh, the lighting is pretty insane on it. Like those same lights that we're accustomed to to see on gaming devices, they put them in here. They're around the filtered parts here. It almost looks like the bottom half of Darth Vader's mask, honestly. Exactly. Honestly, as I take a it's look at it, I would like to assume that the LEDs can be turned off. And with them turned off, it looks a lot more reasonable. I have to disagree. I don't think it looks reasonable. I, I think it looks more reasonable. Don't get me wrong with the lights turned off. But this thing looks ridiculous I didn't to say me. it's reasonable. A lot uh, more oh, reasonable. My, my yeah, bad. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It does yeah. look... It, it still is ridiculous, but less ridiculous. Absolutely. But uh, there's another feature here, too, that's interesting. Which this is, one's my favorite one. I, I got to say it. Yeah. So the feature, which is <laughs> hilarious, is that it'll amplify your voice up to 60 decibels one meter away. Um, 
So I guess this is to combat people who speak softly while they have a mask on or can't yeah. be heard well. Um, I thought that was just me, but apparently this is enough of a problem that they built this into a product. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is noticeable that like it is harder to hear people with masks on at times. I, I get it. To have a whole device and have this be one of the bigger selling points, like I didn't think we'd be here if that's what we're doing, but that's what we're doing here. Uh, apparently this feature too, like you may want to turn it off unless you really need it because it's going to use up a lot of the battery. <laughs> so that's another thing too. You're going to have a battery on this mask if you use it. I mean, how else would you get the LED lights and the and this uh, amplifier working? But yeah, charge your mask, put it... Also, how comfortable can this be? I mean... I, it has to be comfortable in some way, I imagine. Otherwise, they wouldn't sell any of them. But, like, this thing's bulky. I got to say, this would look pretty cool at a music festival or something. That is true. It, it would look cool a good at a music use case at the music festival. You're right. At a music <laughs> to festival. To be able to talk really loud next to people with yes. music. Honestly, this is the perfect music All right, festival. Let's order vibe. some for EDC Orlando 2022. Let's and, go. And we will be good. We'll be safe. Lights vibing. <laughs> Voices amplified. <laughs> I think we'll be good to go. Uh, but do you want to talk about, so on the gaming note here, so this is actually intended for gaming. No surprise here with this product like Razer had with their mask. PlayStation uh, announced the next iteration of their VR headset, the PlayStation VR 2. And this uh, upgrade here actually is pretty substantial in terms of what it's offering to VR uh, game gamers. So again, just for anyone that doesn't really know how this works, uh, VR headsets in general, the PlayStation VR headset, uh, you put on a headset it puts you in a virtual reality world. You play games in it. Uh, there's little controllers that you put in your hands. It's all motion activated. It's a very cool experience if you haven't done anything in the VR space. It's, it's, it's very fun and immersive. The technology continues to grow here. And the PSVR 2, the ba- I'd say the main difference here between the first iteration of it is the display resolution for each eye. So mind you, this is each eye. So on the left and the right side is 2,000 by 200... Or t- 2000 by 2040 Uh, that offers you 110 degree field of view and it's 4k hdr capable uh frame rates can be 90 hertz to 120 hertz oh wow and if you don't know what all those means all those specs all i can tell you is that's pretty damn good like that like we have got advanced quite a bit here in the vr space if that's what's available yeah i did not understand a a good portion of that i think it's just partly because I don't have a frame of reference yeah. for what VR has been. And so far, it's already been a pretty good experience for me. And I I, I used VR like very early on. So yeah. um, this is cool. Uh, when, it, when it comes to VR, how, how does the PlayStation VR work? Do you have to have it connected to a device or does the headset sort of operate on its own? Yeah, good question. So the PlayStation VR, what, what's, especially the VR 2 here, it's more accessible to people because all you need to do is, well, I guess, you know, this is hard to get sometimes too, but like the PlayStation <laughs> 5, uh, you know, if you, as long as you have the console, you have everything you need hardware, uh, hardware-wise okay. for this VR headset. And the reason why we bring that up is for a, for a desktop or a gaming computer to have the capabilities to run VR, you need a really nice system. Like you used to have nice yeah. specs, like a really nice computer build. So this is more accessible for a lot of people. Uh, easier as well but the vr2 also is makes sense the tracking's a little different right so there's eye tracking software there's a camera that you need to have like near the middle of your tv or the room where you set it up Uh, i think there's also motion sensors as well uh it's now just i think one wire connected to the headset to the playstation uh which I, i think before was a little bit different also it's inside out tracking so the original psvr had a camera like i mentioned it was a camera that would kind of track your eyes now there's no external camera that's needed Uh, it's all built into the headset in terms of the tracking and how that works so some efficiencies uh, a lot of improvements to the visuals a haptic feedback and audio within it as well is also enhanced so definitely a a very good uh, announcement from from playstation here that haptic feedback thing i I feel like is the one thing I want to note because it's usually overlooked in most instances. But when the PlayStation 5 came out, their new like 
their new controllers have probably the best haptics that have ever been put out on a controller, best controller ever made. Oh yeah. Uh, if you don't know what that word means, it's essentially the 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 tactile sensory feeling of the controller in yeah. your hand. So if a player or a user is running over like glass, you can feel the sensation of glass like that the person's running over and then as it transitions into grass, um, it feels very different. Yeah. So I feel like that has to be an actual, like a, a notable improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Sony has really done a good job with their devices and the haptic feedback. So I can only imagine that the gains that they have here in virtual reality and their new headset will be quite notable. Uh, so we do have one more product here. We want to go over. This is personally my favorite product Same. and it's, I, I, this is ridiculous. I, I it's personally I, our favorite product. Yes, it's it's collectively our our favorite product, and it is the Novetto N1 invisible headphones. And you heard right; these headphones cannot be seen. Why? Because these are speakers that <laughs> they're headphones with no headphones at all. Think of like one of those little like you know like the JBL bars or whatever yeah, like, like a the, sound bar has a little sound bar like a little portable speaker kind of like a little cylinder. So this device uses a smart beam. So let's smart just say beam tech. Yeah, you got it connected through Bluetooth. If you're playing Spotify, you got to a leap of going, baby. You're jamming out, but you're like, you know what? I don't want to put my headphones on, and I don't really want others to hear this. Don't worry, because the Novetto N1 Invisible Headphones uses a smart beam to send audio directly towards where it's aiming. Into your ear hole. Yes, right into your ear hole. It's transmitting ultrasound through the air, these little pockets of sound, and it gets it, I guess, right outside your ears, and it isolates it so others will hear no more than just a simple whisper, they claim. Um, this is definitely the game changer tech. And I don't even I don't even find it to the point where it can be ridiculous. I have experience using one of those Bose sound bars. Yeah. And they have more like beam forming technology for mics. So that way it can pick up individual users, like maybe yeah. up to like six. So it seems somewhat similar in the technology, except it's pushing the sound out. So um if this actually works the way it says it works. I can see um, a couple of colleagues I work with who don't like using headsets on video calls being very interested in this. That that would actually be perfect for them. And then it would also reduce like kind of echoing sounds if oh, you're yeah. on like a webcam or something. But the, the other thing to note with this too is this is going to be very pricey. Of course, just because this is brand new tech yeah. and um, you know it's never been done before, like they can demand a high price point and probably the components cost a lot. But the way it works is it's not just like some random beam and you aim the beam. <laughs> um, although I did describe it yeah, as such. So if you were beam. thinking that, like, that's my fault. But really how it works is there's a little camera in it. or okay. it, it, And the camera is following your face and has facial recognition software in there. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so if let's say, like, you know, I have the... I have the speaker set up in front of me. I'm listening to Dua Lipa. I'm moving around. I'm talking to you. Maybe I'm doing stuff, little chores or whatever. It'll follow around my head, and then it'll continuously move the aiming of, I guess, this invisible smart beam towards your head and make sure that it's continuously only going towards me. So I feel like after hearing more of the explanation, I, I feel like it would only really work on like a desk that you're yeah. sitting in front of. You can't just be like walking around the house vacuuming no. and expecting like the sound to be hitting your ear the whole time. Yeah, it's just, it's, or maybe you marry it up with the router with the little pointers or oh something and it just directs the beams everywhere. Then your whole house and you just, but you, so the thing is, I like this concept. I like, I like what it does, right? But I don't really feel like it's, that like you had a very specific use case for yeah. like Echo and stuff like someone that doesn't like to use headphones. I get it, but it's just like th if you don't want to like look a like lot. a dork on video conferencing calls, it could help. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't see any other use cases outside of that, except yeah. for like in the future where this, yeah. this technology might be like, you know, iterated on where you can be walking around the house listening to music without bothering others. Yeah, that, that is where it could be cool. It's almost sound. It gives me that silent disco vibe. Yeah, it's it's a it's essentially just so you don't have to wear headphones when you need to be discreet. I mean, that, that's essentially yeah. what it does. 
Uh, or if you just don't like them, they're, you don't, you, you're not comfortable on them, yeah. which, which is all fair points. But the fact that we're even here, we're able to do this and sounds able to be directed, even with a camera where others won't hear more than a whisper, that's nuts. Dope. It's super dope. The dopest of products, actually. I, would, I, I label it the dopest product of CES 2022. How about you? I would label it the most dope product of CES 2022. I love it. Well, that rounds out all of the products we've got from CES. Uh, if you are interested in sort of these products, especially we gave a lot of like, you know, descriptions of them, uh, look out for social media. We'll try to post some photos so you yeah. can get some visuals on what we're actually describing. Uh, and for that specific social media, follow us on Instagram. It's going to be at not to be technical Twitter at not to be tech. Keep following us on TikTok. We promise the content is coming out soon. Oh, baby, at not coming. to be technical there as well. And then as usual, uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars only, baby. And if you're not liking the show, shoot us a message. Tell us how we can get better. Yeah, why don't you like us? What the hell? Just tell us why, exactly why you don't like us and then don't post a one-star review. Because, Please don't do that. Or, or two or three or four, just five. Yeah, just, just five stars only. Yeah, you, come on. Or just don't vote if you're going to do that. You know, that's, you know, spread love and positivity, baby. And stay tuned for the next episode.